I'm Elliot Dasher, welcoming you to this episode of Meditation and Beyond. Our topic today is the mind-body interface. Intentional Healing, my first book, explored the intricacies of the mind-body connection. As an internal medicine physician, my approach to patients had already shifted. Early in practice, I realized limitations of a medical model that reduces health and disease solely to biological factors. It seems quite obvious that we are not mere physical bodies. We are interconnected beings. Our biology, psychology, social relations, and spiritual essence are inseparable. Focusing on only one aspect of our experience diminishes our capacity to understand disease and reach towards a comprehensive whole healing. Intentional healing revealed the research I was pouring through at that time. I began with Hans Selye, the Canadian physiologist who wrote the seminal text, The Stress of Life. His conclusions are so obvious now. Relentless modern stress exhausts and destabilizes our physiology and biology. The mental factor of stress is inseparable from the physical aspect of our being. In the 1950s, the Meninger Clinic researchers, Elmer and Elise Green, returned from India where they developed a field of biofeedback. In short, they discovered that it was possible, through mental imagery, supported by enhanced physiological feedback, to control aspects of our biology that previously seemed inaccessible to mental effort. These functions now include blood pressure, muscle tension, pulse, body temperature, bowel motility, bladder motility, and brain waves, just to note a few, all of which can be altered through conscious use of our mental capacities. The core of intentional healing was centered on the newly emerging field of psychoneuroimmunology. Robert Ader, a researcher at the University of Rochester, detailed how the mind, beyond its ability to impact on bodily organs and tissues, could also be trained to upgrade or downgrade the activity of the immune system, yes, of the immune system, that was susceptible to upgrading or downgrading by mental effects. And then there is a placebo effect. In 1959, the National Institute of Health employed a cardiologist in Seattle, Dr. Leonard A. Cobb, to conduct a novel test of a technique to increase cardiac blood flow to patients with heart disease. Cobb operated on 17 patients. Eight had the actual surgical procedure, and the the other nine only got incisions and nothing more. In 1959, the New England Journal of Medicine published its findings The phony operations worked just as well as the real surgery. The mind healed the cardiac pain as well as the surgery. Supplementing this search of the many research are the many social interaction studies that demonstrate in large populations the impact of stress, distress, social relations, and emotional states on the body. It was left to Candace Pert, a researcher at Georgetown University 
To describe a key piece, the chemical messenger molecules, the neuropeptides such as endorphins, that were the intermediaries between the mind and our biology. These messenger hormones, these chemical messenger molecules, carried information throughout our body, from one organ tissue to another, could explain the mysterious connection between mental factors and physical change. It was a natural leap from the recognition that the mind is inseparable from the body to realize that the mind of others I interact with may similarly impact on my body. If I react to another's dramas with anger, annoyance, or other negative emotions, my reaction impacts my body. That way my mind and body are interconnected with other individuals. And further, the values and practices of our culture, the character of our educational system, the nature of our economic system, our social systems, all impact on my mental or biological state. That extends our interconnectedness to all aspects of life. We are not a single isolated mind-body. We are one interwoven mind-body with others and our cultural environment. So I've reviewed this research with you and its implications so we can share together how I arrived at my focus on the mind, expanding the mind and tapping into its rich resources through self-remembering and living in our whole self. Although I applaud the genius of biological science, it is the mind that remains the most undervalued and unexplored frontier in health and healing. That is why my focus now is on fully developing and expanding our understanding of the mind and its resources. I still consider my physician nature to be the same. I concern myself with health, I concern myself with suffering, my approach is through the inner aspects of healing, leaving the outer aspects of healing to those that have worked on it for many years. Now let's still the mind, return to the center of our being, and experience the feeling of our harmonious mind-body. So let's begin with a breathing technique that quiets the coarse noise of the mind. It's the only technique we will use, but it's a natural one that works effortlessly. We take a deep breath in. We blow it out somewhat forcefully. Imagining at the same time that we're dropping the content of the mind, letting it go. At the end of expiration, we take a breath hold. Comfortably and easily. And we notice in the breath hold that the mind becomes still, aware, open. Cognition stops. Our usual ordinary self dissolves for this period of the breath hold. That's just a physiological experience, so it's effortless. You only need to do it. But you get a chance to dwell in that place of awareness and stillness and bring it more and more into the next in-breath, next out-breath, empty the content more, and then a breath hold. So we'll do that together for a series of uh, breath in, out, and hold. You can follow me, but do it at your own pace because your inner, outer hold may be different than mine.
the longer the breath holds, the longer you'll sustain that feeling of stillness, openness, awareness, presence, and then resume with another breath in. You can do this for a few cycles during the day, even with your eyes open, you'll drop right in and bring that into the day. During your meditation, if your mind gets out of control, you can do a few cycles of this breath hold to bring it back to a stiller place. Nothing to do, just easy in breath, out breath, and hold. Effortless stilling of the mind. Now we will transition into the body of the practice by bringing the breath into a natural breath, natural in, out. You may take a little pause at the end of the out-breath if you wish, keeping the breath harmonious, soft, smooth, effortless, because this will also help to keep the mind still. Now come into the present moment, into the now, opening your awareness, Feeling a sense of presence. Coming home to who you truly are. Thoughts, feelings, sensations, mental images may always come through this awareness. It's okay. You just notice them. Acknowledge them. Pay no attention. Do not grasp, reject, push away, suppress. Just let them flow into your mind and flow out. You remain in awareness, in presence, the observer, not getting enmeshed or entangled in any mental appearances. Just letting them come and go like waves rise and fall in the ocean or clouds move through the sky. In this way, whether there is activity or not of the mind, you will be still. The stillness is in the awareness, in the just being present, letting everything come and go. And if it's stillness, remain 
aware of the stillness. Let's practice this for a short while. You will notice as you practice this way of relating to mental activity that the mind will naturally calm down and you will remain in a still, pure awareness. There'll be no usual self there, just a deeper true self of awareness, of presence, of being, of ease. So mind relaxed. Body musculature relaxed, just present. Nothing to go to or towards, no one to be, nothing to do, no expectations, no goals, no aims, no ambitions, just be, just I am, I exist, just presence, experience the serenity, the openness, and the stillness of your natural self. Notice the distinction between your natural self and your acquired personal identity. Personal identity is full of dramas, ideas, thoughts, feelings, always moving. Your natural self is aware, open, expansive, and still within itself. It's a place of well-being. There's no personal history. There's no experience of a usual identity. Serenity, contentment, ease, and peace. Just be. Notice your body. What does it feel like? How does it compare to the feeling of your body when you're in your personal self, your personal identity, 
with an active and overactive mind. Just experience the body, how harmonious it is, serene it is, how it moves with the mind. to the chemical messages that we talked about before. The brain can talk to the body and the body can talk to the brain. And it's all one unit. So healing depends, whole healing depends not only on the well-being of our body, but the well-being of our mind, our social relations, our life experience. It begins with a clear, still mind that with practice takes the place of the ego personal mind as the foundation of your day-to-day life. And you notice this happening by the ministry activity during the day, increased clarity, sense of peace and contentment. Imagine if your body and mind were like this throughout your lifespan. What a difference in health and possibilities would be there for you. This natural self is already and always in you. It's just obscured by the belief and the tight involvement with the personal identity and personal self. So as that softens up a little bit, you get more accommodated to this deeper self. You'll find them moving into your daily life. I'm going to leave you now. You can find more resources on my website, www.elliotdasher.org. But even though I'm going to leave you now, you can continue with your practice after this audio tape is completed. And thank you for joining and practicing with me.